0: Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show on which we explore the story of you through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we are thrilled to have you here with us today. Hey, we've got some great friends in the studio today, Chris and Jenny Gravy. I love Chris and Jenny. They live here in Nashville slash Franklin, Tennessee. Chris is a seven-wing eight, and Jenny is a one-wing nine. Chris was a cast member on MTV's Road Rules 2 and MTV's Battle of the Sexes 2. The Gravies have been married for 15 years now, and they have a brand new book titled The Rhythm of Us. In this book, they give us five practices or guides for a thriving marriage. So you're going to want to hear this. So strap in, folks. While you're strapping in, let me remind you, Ian dropped his brand new book, The Story of You, on December 28th. It is anywhere fine books are sold. And to celebrate the fact that he has dropped this new book, we're doing a book giveaway. We're giving 10 books away. Now, here's how you get in on the action. Simply post on Instagram about the book and include In your post, the hashtag, the story of you. So include hashtag story of you and Ian's handle at Ian Morgan Cron, I-A-N-M-O-R-G-A-N-C-R-O-N. Include those two things on your post. We'll pull all those names of the people who've posted, throw them in a hat and draw 10 names out. And here's the cool thing. Ian will write a note and sign the book and he will address it to whomever you choose. So if you want it for yourself or if you want it for a friend or a loved one, he will make it out to whomever you like. So don't miss out on that opportunity. Include hashtag story of you and at Ian Morgan Cron. Hey, that's it for me, Anthony Skinner. It's time to get to Chris and Jenny Graby
1: and the host of our
0: show, Ian Cron.
1: Chris and Jenny Graby, Enneagram 7. Chris, Enneagram 1, Jenny? Authors of the new book, *The Rhythm of Us*, create the thriving marriage you long for. Ooh, sounds juicy when we're <laughs> when, we, when we're talking about a seven and a one writing about creating the thriving marriage you long for. We're gonna get down into it. Anthony. That's right. We're going all the way in here. I I, I can't wait. Seven and one. How are you doing? <laughs>
2: Life is good. It's all good.
1: It's (laughs) all good. (laughs) That's right on cue. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. All right. So, what's? I know you know the enneagram. How how did you learn about it? How did you? What what drew you to it, Jenny? What kind of drew you? (laughs) She <laughs> drove me into yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> you into it. Come on, tell me, tell me where all this came okay. from.
2: so I first encountered the enneagram at Belmont University, where I went to school. Oh, cool. um, in several classes, but initially in a pastoral counseling class I took with Dr. Ben Curtis, who's a fantastic professor there, um, and I was just fascinated with it. It felt like looking in a mirror, and it just instantly helped me understand. the relationships i was in the close relationships and i completely pegged him as a seven came home you know did what you're not supposed to do and typed him um but that's how we first got introduced to it and in that season i really thought um initially that i was a seven um because you know we're early 20s we're in love not many responsibilities we were saying yes to everything having fun carefree Um, so it was a very healthy season of life for me. So I looked a lot like a seven. Um, and then we had a bunch of kids. We have five kids years later. I feel um, tired
3: right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thing.
2: Yeah. But um, your book came out, actually. And Chris was on staff at Life Church, which he'll, he'll talk about, I'm sure, in a minute. But he led his staff through your book and was like, babe, I don't think you're a seven. <laughs> I think you need to listen to this chapter. So I listened to the audiobook and the one chapter i just it was light bulbs all over the place so that what, was how I what was the first
1: emotion it. you had when you heard it
2: uh when i when i read the
1: What well, section on ones what 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 feeling came up for you
2: um i think honestly it was like oh shoot <laughs> i thought i was a, a carefree you know seven but no i think it was like oh this makes so much sense Um, I think it it helped me fill in some of the blanks behind some of the whys behind my habits. Yeah, I think it was a just aha moment. for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: So Chris got sold a little short here because in the beginning we were talking about he got dragged into this, but he's led <laughs> right, a, he a group through your book and he helped you determine your type. Yes, he did. So.
4: Yes. Well, every day Jenny be like, no, I'm a four. No, I'm pretty sure I'm a nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a... I'm like, and? <laughs> she went all the way around. She yes. was all of them. Yep. But then it ultimately was like... Yeah, you're one, babe. You know, we just kind of kept coming back to the one, and then yeah, I think when she shared it with me in the in her college days, I was like, great. You know, when I was <laughs> I was sevening all over the place, so it was like I don't know what you're talking about, but that's cool. But then as I went down my like career path, I you know I discovered I was in the world of the Myers Briggs and the DISC profiles and all those, and a lot of the work settings that I was in. But then when any when when you know the Road Back to You came out, the Enneagram, I was like, wow, like this is this is so much. It has so much more depth and truth and emotion. As a 7, I, I really loved kind of the way it unpacked. And so I, I just took my team through it. And I was like, okay, everyone, you're going to share what this type is. And this was 2015 because the book came out when?
1: Oh, in uh, 16.
4: Was it was 16? 16. Okay. Was it, Then I guess it was 16. See, I'm a 7, so I don't know. But <laughs> right when it came out, I discovered it was kind of before it really took off. And I was like, this is cool. So I took my team through it and they were just blown away by discovering their types. And then in that moment, it was just she had already called me a seven, but then as I read it, everyone's just like, You're a seven. There was no <laughs> like debating, there's no questioning, like Chris, you are a seven. So, mm. so here I am, I'm still seven. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What's always interesting about seven ones is you mentioned it, right? When you're doing great, you move across the enneagram to seven. Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, and so it actually makes sense. I mean, if you're, plus when you're younger, you know, add that on to the fact that you may have just been in a pretty good place and you just were living a lot in, in that security point. For sure. Right? Yeah. Now, when he's not doing great. <laughs>
2: Whoops. Right.
1: <laughs> Where's where he headed? I'm going. On, you're, you. going <laughs> you're going to the low side of one. Yeah. Right. So you're going to be interestingly probably in some seasons of life you're going to be crossing paths yeah. you know, in opposite,
2: in opposite directions. directions. Right. Yeah. Hopefully meet um, each other in the middle. And well, it really
4: actually does play out because when I'm. When i'm in a struggle or i'm in that spot or whatever she can kind of tap into her seven and kind of pull me up and we've we found that that just throughout our marriage it's kind of been that like hey come on it's all good let's go have some fun like get out get out of the the depths like come on let's go have some fun and and vice versa she pulls me back so it's a re- it really is a great a great mix and,
1: balance. Mm. and it does not surprise me that you had moments of thinking that you were four right yeah because at And your stress point would be the low side of four.
2: For sure. Absolutely. You know,
1: you kind of move into a much more melancholy, depressed state. Grumpy.
2: (laughs) Yeah. A a little clingy. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I just feel all the emotions of the situation, whatever it is. Mm. Um, Like, this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. Like, it just, it almost paralyzes me. Yes. And he is so good under stress. I mean, he's already fixed the problem usually before I'm even like, what is happening? <laughs> so, it's a good team um when we when we um, encounter difficulty for sure.
1: Wow. That's good. Yeah. All right. So, you I want to just push in here a little bit. Yeah. Please. Please. That's what we do here at Let's Typology. Let's <laughs> it So, you you've written this book, The Rhythm of Us: Create the Thriving Marriage You Long For. How long have you guys been married? 17
4: 17 years.
1: 17 years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So I don't think you could actually write a credible book on a thriving marriage unless you once had, at least for a a meaningful season, a not so great marriage.
3: Mm.
1: Honestly, I think I I would sort of be like, well, on what basis, you know, you've you've only if if you've only had a happy marriage, then how on what basis would you be able to speak into the lives of people that have struggled? Right. So tell me about a season when a seven and a one struggled in their marriage.
4: That's good. You know, it's it's it, this book, was, this project was so great for us because it just, you know, was this like came out of this, we have this podcast, we were like, we love hearing from Chris and Jenny, you know, and then next thing you know, we've got this book that's coming out. And so you're going, okay, this book is really kind of given us words, but it's to kind of the way our marriage is flushed out. But it also has given us an opportunity to reflect on those moments. And I think we've kind of pinpointed a couple of seasons where I was busy just doing my thing. She was over here. And so, you know, it was, it was. Uh, it actually was. It was around 2013. Um, we had I had taken this job as a as a pastor, a campus pastor, a really large church, and I was just head down, building, 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 and not necessarily 100. Not not necessarily. I wasn't just focused on her and our marriage and what we we're doing, and I was doing some entrepreneurial stuff at the same time. And I think in that moment, I had kind of not left her in the dust, but I think it was just like I wasn't necessarily stewarding her, her feelings, our relationship, our marriage. At that point, we were, we were getting close to 10 years in marriage. So like, I think there was a level of comfort that had kind of set in at that point. And so, um, yeah, I think, I don't know. Would would you say there's no, yeah, I think
2: we both point to that season, um, probably for different reasons and we had different, obviously perspectives on it, but you know, I think what I, I came out of that season learning is that while I felt so secure being in the same place for a while, that was Mm. the longest career that he's ever had. I mean, we were there in the local pastoring position for almost 10 years, which for a seven, as you know, is quite incredible. Um, and I, as a one, as a social one, I loved being a pastor's wife. I loved being able to answer people's phone calls and help people, you know, find their best, the best version of themselves, move towards God, um, you know, learn spiritual practices, all of it. I felt like I was thriving, but, but I learned through that season that as a seven, he needs to be able to have permission permission to chase after some of those ideas. I mean, he wakes up with a hundred ideas every single day. Yes, he does (laughs) every day. And you know, in that season being faithful, looked like showing up and doing the same thing every day. Um, and there was great depth and security and, and lessons that he learned during that season. But I think that was the pivotal point for him where he needed me to come on board and say, okay, like, it's okay for you to chase some of these other ideas that you have stirring, because if he doesn't, then there's a piece of him that starts to rust out and starts to get, starts to come out sideways, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But What that sounds great. Yeah. You you recognized, um, you know, Chris's architecture, Mm
3: -hmm.
1: you know, not the we all know the Enneagram points out there's not so great parts of the architecture. But I think that kind of thinking on the part of the seven and that way of being in the world can be very creative and very wonderful. You made some accommodations. Yeah. Right. So what kind of accommodations have you had to make? I don't want to believe this is a one sided marriage. (laughs) Right. I want to believe that you have had to. Disciplined parts of your person in order to accommodate the way that Jenny perceives the world. Of. What, what, what have you had to do?
4: Yeah, to I, I think the the first half of our marriage was was all about the adventure, right? It was chasing. I mean, we lived all over the country. I was sharing earlier that we lived in. You know, we were in the Carolinas and California, and then we got to Texas. And I think that's where I, I realized that for a season, like Chris, you need to settle down, give her some, give stability for her, for our kids, for yourself, grow as a, as a man, as just like a husband, as a dad, like be completely okay to like, just enjoy a season of, of serving someone else's vision, someone else's dream. And then I think when I stepped out, of the church and kind of went down the entrepreneurial path she jokes about how she was kind of tethered to me and i think you know we ended up launching a podcast and it was one of those things like she had done the stay-at-home mom thing she'd been really involved in the church as a pastor's wife doing bible studies and all the things she loved all of those things and um but when we stepped out it was like hey how about we tap into some of your dreams so yeah. kind of allowing her to dream a little bit and kind of step out and i remember we were doing a podcast early on. We didn't have a clue what we were doing. Not, not that we still do, but <laughs> you know, we're, it we're we're figuring out as we go. But it was it wasn't wasn't a video podcast. She just like she just was like she looked over at me and was like, "Oh my gosh, I love this so much!" She like she was just so excited. And then right after this, she just looked at me and she said, "Please don't ever let me." not do something like this again mm. like so it was just she had she was so faithful with her season of serving we have five kids birthing five kids like loving our kids helping them grow and they're still young I mean our youngest is a four-year-old our oldest is 16 so we still have kids right but i think in that mix where she was so focused on kind of everyone else I, we god graciously helped me alongside of her step in and have her to have something that she could put her hands to outside of just uh, being
1: mom yeah. and and, uh, and wife. So, Anthony, this is so great because what it what it highlights is is that when when you know the enneagram and you use it, mm-hmm. it gives you such fast insight mm-hmm. into the 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 basic fears, the basic desires, um, the you know the, the typical sort of needs of of the other, which sometimes need to be challenged, right? Because we can get sure. rigid in those needs, right? Right. Um, right. And, and yet. Um, mm-hmm. It it gives you insight that otherwise might take you years to get, and those could be really difficult years before you get it. Mm-hmm. And so to realize, okay, you know, I'm, I've got this type of interior architecture, but I'm married to someone who doesn't. So, for example, this is one thing that came to my mind as you were talking. You know, we in the Enneagram, and I've never actually written about it, but it's worth discussing. Is that every type has a different orientation to time.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So you as a one, Jenny, your orientation to time is the present moment. Like whatever task is here right now, (laughs) that's what we're about. Like this is where my focus of attention is in terms of time. It's like right here, right now. Your orientation is far into the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. Right? Yes. So knowing that Mm -hmm. can give you such profound insight and also... I think part of our journey of self-discovery and bringing our lives into balance, because that's a lot of what the Enneagram is mm-hmm. bringing heart, head and a body into balance instead of over-relying on one center. And I think when we think about orientation to time, the same thing is true. Mm-hmm. You can't, I mean, just because you're future oriented doesn't mean that you don't think in the present or the past. It just means you lean more into the future, right? Mm-hmm. So not to the exclusion of the other two time orientations, but to bring all three into balance, right? Which can be hard for a seven, right? I sure. can't go into depth, but for example, a seven isn't gonna to wanna to spend a lot of time thinking about the past, particularly parts of the past that are painful. Sure. Right? right? right. Uh, and um, the present for you can get really boring,
3: Yeah.
1: right? It's like, oh, <laughs> uh, move on, you know? It's <laughs> like, uh, uh, and in part because of the fear of, the unconscious fear of boredom, stuck, commitment, routine. All, all of those things or life suffering, just the, the bumps and bruises that life gives us. You, um, it sounds like, you know, with that present orientation, you need to be more able to think future, which it, apparently you have. I mean, for this marriage to work, you both have maybe not knowing orientations at time baked it into your calculations. But for those listening, I want them to know, if you know your orientation of time, ones, twos, and sixes, present. Three, sevens, and eights, future. Fours, fives, and nines, past. Mm -hmm. If you know what your orientation of time is, and the other two that you don't tend to actually ascribe a lot of, in fact, you could, as a seven, you could judge me as a four as being too stuck in the past. Right. And actually, and, and actually. To, and actually Every of, time I meet a four. Yeah, right. so, uh, thanks for being on the show. Be you're welcome. Nice to <laughs> you're that's work. a wrap. <laughs> out. <laughs> but my point is, you know, it's like for me as a person who tends to be past oriented, I can look at a future oriented person sometimes mm. and go, gosh, they're so superficial. They mm. don't want to do their work. For
3: right. sure. And
1: yeah. that's not fair of me.
3: Right.
1: And it's really important for you to go. Mm, he's got a point too. Mm -hmm. right how do we bring those things uh, into rich balance is what will make a marriage better Absolutely. you know yeah you're looking off in the distance are you thinking about the next thing are you are you, (laughs) are you pondering are you pondering what i just said
4: no i'm i'm definitely just i'm just chewing on what on what you said you know and and looking at like you know she has been so good at helping me kind of just slow down and be here today right like you know, like it's simple things of like, hey, you know, you had a kid right there. Get off your phone, whatever you're doing, yes. whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you just missed it, and those are the sad moments that I have to, I have to, not avoid reality, right? Like, not avoid that pain and go, man, I, I did, and so, or how can I change that and be present here today and, and baking in being present with her and the kids and you know, five kids or schedule all that or whatever it can be super busy, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just processing like how that plays out and how we've really been you know she listens to my dreams about the future and I'm and I'm 100% down to say what are we doing on Saturday so
0: (laughs) on that I've heard several ones and sixes talk about how terrifying it is no one well ones and sixes talk about how terrifying it is for sevens to be with a seven when they're launching into the next thing you know oh yeah uh how did like what was the tension like of living with that and what was it like to to discover, oh, this is this. because he's talking about all these things he's going to do doesn't mean he's actually going to do them.
2: That was a huge light bulb moment. I yeah. think when I realized, oh, he doesn't—he's not actually going to pursue all of these dreams. He just <laughs> wants to talk about them. Like right. that was so <laughs> relieving yeah. because. My brain, when I hear an idea, I'm like, how are we going to do that? And what does that mean for the kids? And I, you know, I'm trying to, okay. And I wrap my head around it and I start going down that path and then he's off to the next idea. (laughs) So he wasn't actually serious about going after all of them, but he just wants somebody to listen and process those dreams with him. So yeah, that was a huge light bulb moment to realize, okay, I can listen. I can show up and listen. I can ask questions. But it doesn't mean that I have to make the path to get there. Right,
4: right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, and I have to be really cognizant to go, okay, hold on a second. Like, you just shared this crazy dream and idea or whatever. Or even the idea of like, we're trying to build a house. So it's like, okay, Chris, you loved the idea of a basement yesterday. Why are you, okay, she's like getting used to a basement. <laughs> right. And I'm like, it's okay. okay, we don't need a basement. She's like, what? Yesterday, it was like your hopes and dreams and the whole world was in the basement. And I'm like, ah, let's go. Let's move on. And she's like, how do you move that fast? And yes. so it's just so I've learned to go, okay, Chris, like, understand how she's wired and, and be cognizant of that and not give her whiplash mm-hmm. all over the place, yeah. you know? And so, But I think part of it, too, is 17 years, a big, long adventure. Mm-hmm. I've earned her trust, and she's earned mine. Right, and it's continuing to grow. And we've got five kids that love us, and we love them, and they're still alive, and they're still kicking. <laughs> and we've got a roof over our head, and you know things seem to work out. You know, like yeah. and, you know, and so she's a big part of that, and she lets me dream, and I and I also make sure I rein it in as well. So I think it's just years of trust. The more you earn that trust, she goes, okay, like he's for us. I don't have to be afraid that he's gonna put us in disaster Mm -hmm.
2: yeah I think too I would say you know because I we share that line I get I get that that headspace a little bit you know like um I know what it's like to be on a great adventure that's exciting and fun and I'm usually down to say yes to an adventure as long as it doesn't cross over my like moral compass you know what I mean like if, if as long as I know it's not adventure for being reckless, you know, like it's not going to uh, cross over the line of being wrong, <laughs> then I'm down for it. Um, but yeah, and, and he's he's usually really good at that, you know, like adventuring for the sake of fun and playful, not not trying to be rebellious and reckless. It's more like fun and playful. So that's something we've learned for sure. Hmm.
1: So, you know, um, just knowing how the faith-based world operates a lot of times i get books pitched to me or i see books and i'll just be honest about marriage and i roll my eyes a little bit sure. because they tend to be kind of pollyannish mm-hmm. and they're they're you know they're a little like hey you know you you know what i'm saying yeah. like like, the, like it's a lot yeah. of sales and there's yeah. you know and sometimes i'll just be honest like you're a great looking couple right Thanks. and But sometimes I look at it and I go, it's too good.
3: Mm.
1: It's like, and if I were going to read this book, I would be so depressed comparing my marriage to what appears to be perfection. Mm. And that's the problem, I'm not saying of your book, but in the faith-based world, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of glitter, there's a little bit of Mm starry-eyedness, and not a lot of reality. Like, you know, let's face it, marriage is really hard, Mm -hmm. Right. And the divorce rate among, if I'm right about this, Anthony, at least one year this was true, the divorce rate among people who self-identified as people of faith was higher than it was among those who weren't. And I think part of it is because of the pressure and the disillusionment of being in a world where mm. there's this kind of ideal yeah. of the faith-based marriage, and everybody's kind of like this, and, and, but everyone else is kind of looking around going, I have problems. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone doesn't seem to have problems. It's like Instagram marriages. Yeah. You know, it's like a lot of gloss on it, you know? Yeah. How does this book differ? Like like how would I read this book and go, "Okay, we're getting down to some legit stuff here."
2: Well, I would say, and you can answer this as well, but sure. what comes to mind for me is that, you know, because we've we've been married 17 years, but it doesn't feel that long to us and in um, you know, looking at other marriages who've been in it for decades longer than us Um, like mine like yours (laughs) exactly you know i think as a as a one as a researcher as a studier i i know i always have so much to learn Mm -hmm. so we tried to look at um take the perspective of we do not have this thing all figured out. We are still learning too. We are still figuring this out as we go. And so we tried to sit at the feet of some really incredible couples who've been married for so much longer than we have, who have fruit in their lives, who have walked through seasons of heartache, of tragedy, but also of victory and come out on the other side, somehow still loving each other, still loving God, um, and tried to take notes from those couples. Mm -hmm. And so... The book is based around five rhythms that we found to be true of each of these couples that we sat at their feet and tried to learn from. Um, so I, I cling to those rhythms. Not and Some of them we've, we've been practicing for 17 years, and some of them are brand new to us that we're learning as well as the reader. Um,
4: Can you run us through those?
2: Yeah, Sure. Um, did you have anything to say about that? Yeah,
4: I, I think for us, we, we come from two very different personal backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I had four dads and three moms by the time I graduated high school. Mm. So a lot of divorce, a lot of brokenness, you know, and, you know, as a seven, that's just, you know, they're going to grab a hold of that and say, I got this and out in the world. So for me, I saw a lot of what not to do mm-hmm. in a marriage. I saw a lot of brokenness. And, uh, you know, I love my parents. They're, they're, you know, I respect them and I love them. But, it, you know, I think so. We both brought kind of with it was interesting. My mom still kind of had us in the church and a faith background, but I, it was just a mess, right? So in my 20s, I had to really wrestle that out with my own faith and like what I saw what I experienced. And, you know, she had a different experience. She grew up in the church and she can share. You know her walk and she does in the book and so i think that's where we're coming from is like like i've seen i've seen a mess and i and i decided pretty early on that like i learned all the things what not to do i saw every single thing that you should not do in a marriage i saw every kind of you know guy come and go that was not a husband was not you know a leader was not a love lover of his spouse and um so for me, I try to take those pain points that I had growing up and say, "Okay, how can I mm-hmm. change the destiny for my own children, the legacy for my own family?" All
1: right. So before we go to these five rhythms, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to come back to it. Mm-hmm. Anthony. People don't drop four dads and three moms on me without wanting to stop and talk about it.
3: <laughs> please. Okay. Yeah. Please. And
1: I would argue that part of the reason you became a seven was born of the trauma. Of having, you know, that kind of very chaotic. And I'm sure, I mean, with that many people involved in leading a family, there was significant trauma there. So my question is for you as a seven that typically would want to not spend a lot of time kind of unpacking that. And all of the feelings and whatnot that came comes up in it. Have you been in therapy before? I haven't. Okay. So how have you... Why are you smiling?
2: No, I, I love that you're asking this.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how have you or have you processed and integrated that experience into your life? You know, because that's a lot of pain, brother.
4: Yeah. No, I mean, it was... Oh, man, my, my 20s, my early 20s, um, I, I harnessed it into other things, driven, trying to prove, you know, kind of that young, taking that young drive of the early 20-something, I'm going to show them, I end up on MTV, I'm going to go speak. I'm well, we're be, getting to that. Yeah, we're, <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. But I think like, you know, throughout the years, um, as I just sit and do deep work with the Lord, you know, and find grace and forgiveness i mean i was so you know one stepdad i was just so mad at the way he treated my mom for so long and so mm-hmm. i just had to go on a journey of finding grace and peace and forgiveness for him you know i had one stepfather who just would sit me down at the age of 12 on a couch and just preach to me to, like hours at a time and basically in essence like ruined the idea and concept of a loving father and the scriptures. And so as I've grown, gone in and just quietly by myself, not on the stage, not with anyone else, with the Lord through prayer, uh, to, you know, close friends, those, those, those fours and those in my life that could help me walk through that kind of stuff. I mean, God just brought a lot, a lot of peace there. And then also when you stare at your children, right? When I see my son, who was our first and our four girls after that, um, I just, I owe it to them to find peace in, in that realm because I won't be a good husband. I won't be a good father if I don't, if I don't come, come to peace and, and, and understand that that was that season. That's forgiveness. I'm, this is, does not define my future or my family now. It gave me a good roadmap and compass of what not to do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, been, a, it's been years of, of healing and peace and then just walking out with her and, and, and just going, it's possible. To, to do this thing and to mm. do it different and do it right.
1: Mm. So we just had Dan Allender on the show earlier, oh, earlier yeah. today oh, uh, nice. and we spent a wonderful hour in conversation with him and I guess maybe that's what's influencing my questions here, right? I don't know if you've read any of Dan's work, but Dan's not afraid to go into the dark side, right? Because he just thinks that's where all the money is. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't mean pers- I mean, when I mean money, I mean that's where the juice is yeah. of personal growth, right? Gotcha. Yes. And um, so I'm going to lean into you a little harder. Yeah, here. please. So yeah. Um, in in your, I'm not saying that counseling or therapists are like the priests of the age and they're perfect and you can't be a well-adjusted, good person without you know having gone to therapy. But you have some stuff, right? Like, like I, I'm just, surpri- I'm going to be honest and say I'm surprised that, that you haven't been or felt like you haven't hit some roadblocks in your life where you're like the, I've got to go back and clean that side of the street because, you know, with somebody, Yeah. because it is very difficult to self sort of illuminate parts of your life. You know, I mean, again, I'm just, again, curious if um, it has ever crossed your mind that Gosh, you know, and and this also may happen when your kids get older, right? But I mean, you got a sixteen-year-old, so I don't know. What, <laughs> like, why don't you answer the? Can question? I? Yeah. I'm
2: dying to say something because when we at, when we were first married, you know, before we had kids, a very short window before we started having kids. Whoops. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we figured that out pretty quickly. Um, but I remember having these conversations, you know, because mm. I love to plumb the depths. I love to, you know, just kind of talk about everything emotions and what you've been through. And I love to analyze what I think is happening and all of it. So I, I mean, we, we talked, we had, and you know, I just think it, we, I was like asking similar questions to you. Like, like, doesn't that bother you that you went through that or that you saw that? Like, how does that, hmm. how do you flush that out in your, in your walk? And I don't know when we sat down in premarital counseling, I remember um, the couple we were sitting with had a similar reaction that you just said that, You should be in a gutter somewhere, is what the wife said. Like I feel like hearing your story. You should be like out on the street. I don't Mm. understand you. I don't understand how you're sitting in front of me, healthy, loving person. Like, um, and I mean, I all I can say is just from knowing Chris. Like you know, he said before that he was very angry before he came to the Lord. But that's Mm. something that when he encountered Christ. It really, it really healed a lot of that in him um, by experiencing that love. And mm-hmm. I just, you know, I, I, I have similar feelings. Like, how are you as incredible as you are? And how have you learned to function so well in life not having that modeled for you, you know? Um, so I love that you're hmm.
1: diving into that. So I always like to say, oftentimes when I'm in a conversation and someone says something equally... Um, not challenging, maybe, but uh, something that throws me back on my heels, and I can feel like you're just a little thrown back on your heels even now. Like I just feel a little bit of
4: like, oh. Um, I think I'm just internalizing I, my my whole thing is I'm always gonna go okay because like I don't I'm not gonna be real deep to go all right well I don't know do I is there what else do I need to work on you know <laughs> what I mean like that's where I'm that's that's I'm, so I'm going okay m- maybe and I and I think that's where I'm like no I'm good I'm not gonna play that I'm going to go alright good so I would just I'm not your therapist right <laughs> but it is my default to kind of go
1: oh yeah, yeah. and it is my show so um, sure <laughs> but I would, I'm one of those guys who's like when someone does that to me uh, about something I, I always tend to go okay bookmark I bookmark it sure right mm-hmm. and then I do what you're doing which is I, I leave wondering open minded I just mm-hmm. sort of leave uh-huh. wondering to myself wow mm-hmm. oh, Maybe, yeah. you know, and then I see if it, some future date, usually sooner than later, if, if there's a, a pattern of messages that I'm getting, if I mm-hmm. stop to think about it, mm-hmm. there is a pattern happening in my life. And I wonder if that should activate my intuition mm-hmm. and tell me hmm, maybe I will. You know what I mean? Like maybe I will. Okay, moving on. I don't want to. I don't want to keep going down there. But, but trust me, I could have gone deeper. We will not do that. Okay, five rhythms in the book that five can rhythms. help a marriage thrive. What are they?
2: Yes, um, five rhythms are.
4: First one is speaking life. It's and we have speaking life, slowing down, serving others, staying in awe, and seeking adventure. Okay. Other five rhythms you
2: right. can guess his favorite probably <laughs> yeah adventure and awe. i was gonna say
4: slowing down yeah, and... that one i was like i got well i think it was what was cool for us is you know the, the speaking life the slowing down you know the serving like those were those were pretty clear for us and even adventure like we knew that adventure was was like a core rhythm for us and that we'd seen but the one that really crystallized for us in this book that we had never really been able to put words to was was staying in awe you know of each other okay. and, our, and our marriage and just in in our life and our relationship and so when we finally were able to kind of put that together it was uh just a real gift yeah. on, on top of the other four rhythms mm-hmm. uh, i think
0: learning to practice you know awe and speaking life are practices people usually aren't attuned to right, right? i mean that's that's it, it sounds simple but it's a it has a high impact.
2: It does. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's harder than it sounds to mm-hmm. actually practice it. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, we were talking on the way over here. I think as a one, um, I, that was something I didn't realize that the Enneagram helped me realize, you know, habits that you, you don't know you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, you start to read and go, Oh, I guess I do do that. Mm. Um, but one for us was speaking life. I mean, he just, praise comes out words of praise come out of him without him even thinking about it. He's just so good at, I mean, uh, he speaks it to strangers. There was a lady parking on the way over here and he, you got it. You've got this You're I mean, he just <laughs> strangers just, it, it just comes out of him. And that was something I really had to work on. And it wasn't that I didn't think nice things. I just wasn't in the habit of saying them out loud all the time. Um, but you know, after a while he was like, uh, I need you to tell me I'm awesome. Like, I need to hear those things. <laughs> you're gonna have to start saying things, and you know, just realizing, oh, you're right. I don't do that. I didn't realize mm-hmm. I was withholding praise. I wasn't mm. consciously trying to withhold praise. I just, I'm not good at doing this. I don't, I don't know how to do this. How do I do this? And so that was one I really learned from him. Just he just does it so naturally that after a while, I learned how to do it, and mm. I learned how important it was to him. And how it kind of set the culture of our marriage and of our family. Once we started having kids, it became a big value. So that's a big one for sure.
4: Yeah, one of the things I do with my girls is, and it's kind of fun now. So my four-year-old goes, Dad, tell me what you're going to tell me. I I always go, there's something i got to say to you. She's like, I know what you're going to say. I was like, well, you know what I'm going to say. And she's like, you're going to say, you love me, I'm smart, and I'm beautiful. I'm like, how did you know that? (laughs) Because you always say it. And I'm like good because I want to build those foundations I mm-hmm. want on their wedding day now this you want to get me crying like this will get me when I look at them before I walk them in the aisle I'm going to look at them and say there's three things I want to tell you I love you you're beautiful you're smart and that like I hope that the words that we're speaking now will will plant seeds that will produce life in them for years to come and even in my grandkids mm-hmm.
1: so first of all I just want to say, just uh, uh, observing myself in this interaction, that when a seven does what you just did, which is kind of go to a place on the feeling spectrum that is not necessarily where they spend a lot of time, that in this very brief 30 minutes we've been together, you are the most beautiful that 30 seconds was the most beautiful you appeared in the last 30 minutes. Because we saw that other emotional dimension that in an unhealthy seven you don't see. Right. In fact, you would have probably been telling jokes mm-hmm. rather than allowing those feelings to be available and to access them, have them, They'll move on from them, Right. And now looking at you, you're getting a little puddly and I'm curious
2: why. I just love when he acts that, you know, um, and isn't it interesting that it's something in the future Mm -hmm. that causes him to tear up by, I feel like it's usually something in the future that gets him emotional, um, because that's his orientation to time. But I just love when he's, when he gets emotional.
4: That's
2: good. (laughs) It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So now to you though. Okay. So you actually did highlight a struggle right. for ones, which is they can be stingy with praise. Right. And part of it isn't that they're kind of like screw-faced Puritans. It's, yeah. it's more like um, they figure like, well, that's your job. <laughs> what, what Why do I have to like what do you need a parade? Like that's that you did you were dutiful a you
3: were,
1: Yeah, a it's still, no, it. but it's like it's dutiful, it's responsible. I do that every single day. Well, I don't need a parade. I just that was my job, right? You're laughing now. 100%. <laughs> yeah.
4: Keep, keep going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to shut up.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, and so you know, sometimes people get a little you know, I don't know, anxious when I say things like this. But, you know, fundamentally, Christianity is an awakening religion,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: meaning that and people tend to assign that word to Eastern religions. And I think that's unfair because I think that all of us fall asleep in particular patterns, and they have a Mm -hmm. trance-like quality. We've been doing them for so long, it's like the fish trope it's like the fish water trope, right? It's like, you know, you don't even know you're swimming in, mm-hmm. in that of your type. And you're just like asleep, you know, yes. kind of wandering through life, like almost robotically in mm-hmm. your type. The awakening is when you can say, oh, I'm kind of stingy with praise. <laughs> I need to do something different. That's yeah. having an awakening. Right. Right. You're not as asleep in type as you were.
3: Right.
1: Right. And yeah. so that's beautiful mm-hmm. what, what you just said. Like, it's like, Oh. Oof, got a, I'm waking up,
3: Yeah.
1: right, to yeah. the darker aspects of my type and hopefully to the beautiful aspects of your type as mm-hmm. well. All right, so we have these five rhythms yeah. to help marriages thrive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Sound fantastic. Repeat them again so people hear them.
2: Um, so they're speaking life, mm-hmm. serving each other, slowing down, seeking adventure, and staying in awe. Beautiful. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I like that. But you use the word wonder?
2: Yes, in, in the awe yeah. rhythm for sure. Right. Yeah. yeah, awe, it, you know, I think we keep landing on it because it was such a surprise for us. I think we had the first four pretty nailed down and then this last one came and it's really become our favorite, I would say, at the end of this, you know, because it kind of wraps a bow on all of them. And I think that's a big theme of the, the book and something that, you know, we really learned going through it that... At the end of the day, remembering that marriage is a gift. Mm-hmm. I mean, it shifts everything to remember like this guy that I get to love, that I get to wake up to every day. That's a gift. And it's not a given. It, it's, it's not promise that I get another day. You know, we just had a good friend around our age, die of heart attack instantly. He mm. woke up that morning. He went to the gym. He came home, make, made the bed for his wife and fell over and he was gone and you know i just think it's moments like that you you remember oh my gosh like this is a gift and and i think that's what awe brings practicing it not just an idea of it and thinking of it but actually working on practicing that throughout your days and throughout your moments together to instead of just keep doing mm-hmm. whatever you're doing which i love to do as one mm-hmm. <laughs> to be efficient and to get things done if i have a free moment but when i have those moments of you know, seeing Chris play with our daughters in the backyard, instead of keeping on doing the dishes, or whatever I'm doing, stopping and letting my soul recognize that mm. moment going, okay, this is a moment to offer up a silent thanks mm. and to practice that feeling of awe. And it, it's like it, it builds up like a bank account that I can draw from when we hit hard times or when we have a conflict that there's this bank account to pull from that I can remember, wait a second, this is a gift. This person in front of me does not belong to me. He's actually God's, and the way that I treat him matters. Um, so it's just, I feel like it's very transformative if you begin to practice it.
1: Mm. Yeah, I agree. I, mm. I call that the sacred pause.
2: Oh, I mm. love that. You yes, know, exactly. Uh, a
1: lot of times I do a lot of walking, and I'll go down to Radnor. Oh, and wow. I, I, Radnor Sweet. Park, for those who have no idea what I'm yeah. talking about, it's this beautiful <laughs> park here in Nashville yeah. where um, – it's got a gorgeous lake in it, and there's a loop around it, tons and tons of trails through the woods. And I like to go at around 6 o'clock at night when the sun is just has that beautiful, the light just sort of falls lazily through the, through the trees, you know, and you get that mottled, um, like, uh, shadows and light, you know, and the leaves are kind of dancing around in that light. Yeah. And I, I dis- I, I'm also a runner, so I, normally I'm running through there. But I do intentional walks and I walk slowly. And every time I see something that catches my eye, I stop and I, I look at it. I don't go past it like like maybe the, the light is hitting a particular branch in a certain way mm. in the middle of a dark wood. And I'll <clears throat> stop and pause and look at it. And sometimes it's with one of my children. My children will say something and I'll stop and pause and, and go, wow. You know, or, Mm -hmm. and try not to let those moments go by like a freight train where the cars are just going by like a Japanese commuter train at 600 miles an hour. And I'm not stopping to look at any of the cars, you know, as they go by.
4: We, we, um, we often find ourselves um, in our marriage that I'll just stare, stop and I'll stare at her and I go, this is it. Like kids will be playing, we'll be dancing, Mm. we'll be cooking in the, whatever it is. You just stop and go, this is it. Case We were wondering if there's something else. And I'm probably speaking to myself, you know, as like, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, there's not this thing we're going to attain someday. You know, this right here is it. Mm. Our kids are here. We love them. We love each other. Like this moment right here, this is it.
1: That's so good for a seven. That's
4: strong for a seven. That's
1: strong for a seven. Yeah. Well, because here's the thing. Mm. Um, You know, sevens more than any other type have trouble in the present. And so, when a seven has the ability to awaken from the trancy sleep of the seven and go, wait a minute, this is it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's always like when I've counseled sevens before, I go, you know, everything you need to be happy is here right now. Mm-hmm. Everything. The next moment does not contain the high you are looking for. It's this moment where the high is. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. Good. I think.
4: You know, for me, I, I told her, you know, something snapped a few years ago. And it was this moment that I thought, it hit me. It's like, I have nothing left to prove. Like, I don't, you talk about Instagram celebrities and marriages. Like, I haven't posted, the only time I posted this last year was on our anniversary to say how amazing she is <laughs> because I kind of had to. You know, I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm being a good husband or whatever. But I just, for me, like, the, the older I get and the more I do life, the more I go, if if the world knows my name, cool. If they don't, cool. Like, you know, MTV was driven by all of that stuff, right? you right? gotta explain that. Okay. Because now now you've mentioned MTV. Yeah.
1: I wasn't gonna go there. <laughs> well I was gonna I was just actually gonna deprive you of the moment. I was just gonna say, Oh, he doesn't need that, but now you said it.
4: No, I just that was what drove me what? as a young Tell them what you did. Oh, I I had I was a cast member on MTV's Road Rules and Battle of Sexes 2. So I was in in.
2: I'm sure a lot of growing MTV up. Fans yeah, if you're if you're, your like, if you're like you <laughs> like mid 30s
4: yeah. and up, like you grew up with Road, road Rules and Real World on the TV. Yeah. it was like one of the original. That one in Survivor. And so for me, growing up in the small town in the cornfields of Indiana, with the life that I had growing up, I was like, I want to go on that adventure because this this adventure here is really boring, mm-hmm. and that looks like an adventure, and it just it worked out and I ended up on the show. It was like a wild story and how it happened. And so, you know, it was very cool. I mean, it was one of those things like, yeah, but it didn't, no, it was awesome. Like I got, you know, <laughs>
3: <laughs> like,
4: did, was it really? It I was like, fulfilled. no, it was yeah, amazing. It was. But I will say this, and we joke all the time. You know, we went to New Zealand and Tahiti on my trip, and uh, she jokes me, I didn't take one picture. None. Like, I didn't. I didn't Zero take a picture. Pictures. I actually forgot a swimming suit. <laughs> like, I'm like you're going to Tahiti and New Zealand, but but like I'm like, why do I need? I, I got it all right here, and it's on film if I want to watch it. But it was an it was an amazing adventure to go on as a, you know, young twenty-something.
1: Hmm. So. Okay. But we were talking, to, that That came out in the context of yeah. Well, the, yeah, I mean,
4: my whole thing was, is like, a lot of my early days was driven to prove something to someone. Mm. I, I don't, myself, you know, and to the world that I'm capable, I'm not just filling whatever blank I probably was filling in on myself. And then just a few years ago, it was just like, I got her, I got my five kids, they're all healthy. Yeah, I've built some cool businesses and I've gotten to do X, Y, and Z, but like I have nothing to prove to anyone else ever again. And the peace that comes over you when you have that revelation, you have that moment, because some, you know, I, I can only relate to driven men and probably even women are trying to prove something to someone and they're chasing this thing for so long. Where for me now I just go okay, and what the cool thing is is once you get to that place, it's amazing what some of these doors open that maybe you were chasing mm. for so years for all the wrong reasons. It's like okay, now now you now you can be responsible for the power that you've been <clears> given, <throat> the gifts that you've been given. Now you can actually steward this well because you know, you're hopefully your head and your heart and your mind's in the right spot.
1: So. Mm yeah and you know it's funny anthony how the human ego is always looking for a label Mm -hmm. to substantiate itself Mm -hmm. to give itself substance Mm -hmm. right it's the difference between i and me okay when we there's there really is two parts of us the i and the me the i is i think our genuine self and the me is the ego self Mm. and the me is always looking for i'm a success Mm. right or i'm a failure Right. Yeah. But that gives my ego a sense of identity and solidness mm-hmm. that it actually doesn't have. Mm-hmm. And so the goal of so much of life is to release the labels, to, to overcome the labels, right? Yeah. I got to, I'm adequate. I'm good. I'm successful. I'm handsome. I've been on MTV. I'm this. I'm sure. that. Right? Or I'm a great mom or I'm this or right. I'm that. Those are, that's not who you are. That's right. something that's, that's oftentimes your ego saying, give me a label. Yeah. Give me something to make me feel like I'm real. Yeah. Right. Whereas the I, if I'm going to talk in spiritual terms, this mm. one who's hidden in Christ mm. mm-hmm. and so much of the journey is to uncover that I mm-hmm. that observes the me. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In other words, there is an I in you that, like so that's how you that's know there really is two things right yeah. mm-hmm. Who is it that's observing me? Mm-hmm. That's the real you that's mm-hmm. good. That's right? Good. So that to me sounds like a really healthy transaction that took place in your life, right? Which is, oh, the me doesn't need that wrapping anymore.
3: Yeah. Mm.
1: To be my ego and, and I just think so much of life is deflating that ego. Mm. Just letting it go, man. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much minute by minute. Makes for a better marriage too, if you get rid of that dang ego. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> My friend Richard Roerlake has I once heard him say, he said uh, something the effect of, a saint uh, is the last one to know they're a saint. Yeah. And the moment they realize they're a saint, they're not any longer.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And, and a saint can't be offended.
3: Mm-hmm. That's good.
1: Because if there's not enough I there to, me there to be offended, right? It's just, it's not even there. So what the heck? Mm. Right. It's wonderful to, if you can realize that place. I can only realize it for about 12 minutes at a time every year.
3: Anyway, <laughs>
1: fragile okay. ego of mine. All right, so what, what is it that people are going to get? They read this book. They learn about the five rhythms. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what are they going to get? Because everybody looks at it and they go, okay, this is X amount of dollars. <laughs> what's, my, what's the value proposition here?
4: I think at the end of the day... You know, you want to give people a framework. It's just, I think it's always good. One Mm. of the things we found is that, you know, we're not trying to set people up because you hope that people can go, okay, we're out of rhythm in this area of our life. Everyone listening right now, if I said, are you in rhythm or out of rhythm? People can immediately, everyone listening immediately goes, I know where we're in rhythm and I know where we're out of rhythm. Mm. So it's like, okay, now I need a context to try and figure out how to get in rhythm. It's not, you mm. suck and you need to get better. And there's a finger pointed, right? So now it's like, hey, here's a framework. Where we can go, hey, are we in rhythm or are we out of rhythm? We can mm. both collectively yeah. look at the thing in the middle of the table and go, I think we're maybe out of rhythm. You know, what do you think? Do you yeah. think we're in rhythm or out of rhythm? Well, I, don't, I think we're in rhythm, but maybe if you feel like we're out of rhythm, okay.
2: Yeah, well, it puts us both on the same team yeah. looking mm. at the issues instead mm. of thinking that the other one is the issue. Mm. Um, yeah.
4: Yeah, so it gives them a framework to go. Okay, what if we do slow down in this area? What if we do speak life to each other? You know, what if we go kind of try and seek an adventure, or stay in awe, or you know, just just really stir each other. Like those practices inevitably should. You know, if there's humility involved and everyone's owning their part of the equation, and we're working to find rhythm in that area. I think it, I think it, it it changes the way that the conversation happens.
1: Mm. So good. You know, um, have you guys read St. Benedict?
2: Yes. Yeah.
1: The Benedictine rule of right. life. That's, oh.
2: so that's what she inspired this talking. whole book. <laughs> she loves the But rule when I life. say to someone, it's yeah. like crafting a rule of life for your marriage. Their eyes glaze yes. over and We're they go, well, what are you talking <laughs> about? Protestants yes! do that. Yes.
3: Catholics <laughs> and Eastern so Orthodox So I stopped not saying that because
2: he's like, you have to stop saying rule of life because people are going to go, what are you talking about? But that is absolutely what inspired this was. Having a, a practice that you can create mm-hmm. together, including these five rhythms as a couple, that we can practice every week, that can lead us somewhere, you mm-hmm. know, instead of just drifting wherever the world's taking us. Right. So, yes, I'm so glad you brought that up. She say, <laughs> You, you want to
4: do a rule of life podcast. Yeah. She's going to. Yeah. She's down. <laughs> well, I mean,
1: because here's the thing for those of you who don't know about uh, the Benedictine rule of life. Yeah. So, Benedict, uh, one of the great Catholic theologians saints uh really put together the first monastic community they had a rule of life in the monastery that was and when we the original word in latin for rule would really be more like i mean what would be the what can i equate it to maybe um guiding principles or it's not rule like um, these are the rules it's more like Suggested guidelines that hold the community together. Mm. Yeah. It's right? good. So right. that the community doesn't fracture, mm-hmm. right? So if we all agree that we're gonna play by this set, now yep. they've got a lot more than five, but sure. they they right, they right. um and I like the phrase rule of life, right? I do too. Um yeah. But as long as people are clear that regla rule, I'm pretty sure that's the word, it would would it means guidelines, right? Mm-hmm. And or I would say how do you create a container right mm-hmm. in which all these very different men at that time in a monastery could get along for life <laughs> yeah. you know, for like yeah. 50 years <laughs> right right, right. right? Yeah. we all sign a contract right essentially not really but we a social contract that says right. this is how we do life yeah right and yeah. I what I'm hearing then is, by way of analogy or not but but the equivalent here is saying okay well in this marriage this is our rule of life right these are the things that we value and that we believe will hold us together and you're saying not only just hold us together but would would help us to flourish
0: it's like dan allender was saying this morning we need a structure to help us with all the chaos and the expanse of our being in Mm -hmm. life you know Yeah. 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 yeah
1: yes because life tends to be liquid yeah Right? Life has, and we can get sort of lost in the ebb and the flow and the fact that time seems to go by with a certain liquidity to Mm -hmm. it. Right? Um, And so that's why I see the value in this sort of a thing. Right? It's like, well, you know, everybody needs a container. Yeah. Right? And no container, then you just, it's like a bank. It's like a river without a bank. All the water just flows over the edges. Yeah. You get no. uh,
2: and we already have one. I mean, the, that's something we write about in the book that whether we realize it or not, we already have a rule of life. We already have a rhythm oh, yeah. of that's us. Right. Yeah. That's right. The question is do we like where it's taking us? Do we like who mm-hmm. it's shaping us to become? Um, and that's where these rhythms come in. And yeah. That's good.
1: So. Well, all right, Thanks. everybody. The yep. rhythm of us create the thriving marriage you long for. Chris and Jenny Gravy. What a great conversation man. Yeah. yeah that was really really great Thank you, you never guys. know what you're going to get. <laughs>
2: I'm glad as well. It well was you good. know you've
1: got a you've got a podcast, right? Yes. You, you know that every time someone yeah. comes into your studio, oh, wow. the no, dice are rolled. Yes. 100%. 100%. 100%. I don't know. Yeah. We'll just see yeah. where yeah. it goes. Well that one will never air. Yeah. Yeah. We've only <laughs> done that twice. Right. We've done two hundred shows and I've yeah. only done it twice. Yeah. But I think, but we I think I, we're in the
4: same yeah. spot. No,
1: yeah. I've literally no I won't say Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I won't say it, but, but Just, it's, you have to make
0: me do more edits if yeah. you do. Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah. Riddle that show down to something decent, you know, like eight <laughs> minutes long. Yeah. yeah was like, oh my gosh, right. that did not end well. That's real. That ended in tears, as we like to say, yeah. right? <laughs> Thanks so much for, for being on the show. I want to encourage everybody again to get the rhythm of us, create the thriving marriage you long for, learn about these, uh, five rhythms. I'm going to say rules of life and, um, <laughs> what great insights too about Enneagram sevens and ones. Thank Thanks for letting me lean into you a little bit. I love leaning on sevens. (laughs) I have a seven son, so I know how to lean into sevens, man. And and, uh, I I appreciate your willingness to, to allow me to do it. Anthony? Yes. You know what I always tell people at the end of the podcast, right? Say it. May you have love. May you have joy. May you have peace. May you have healing. May you have rest. Until next time.